Welcome to another episode of the Surgery Talks podcast. I'm Afshin Alijani, a consultant surgeon based at Ninebos Hospital in Dundee. In this episode, I will be discussing with Mr. Patel, a consultant upper GI surgeon, the management of bile duct stones. Pradeep, today uh, we were planning to talk about the management of bile duct stones. Uh, as a kind of a introduction, the mode of presentation, to my mind, there are several ways that you can kind of classify this. We can maybe perhaps talk about symptomatic versus asymptomatic uh, incidental finding type stones, or whether they are infected or non-infected stones, or whether this is presented with just simple pain, pancreatitis or jaundice, or whether there is, is a primary ductal stone or whether there's a secondary from the gallbladder. Uh, shall we just maybe perhaps start off with a, a simple asymptomatic incidental finding type bile duct stone? What, what would be your management? Asymptomatic bile duct stone is probably picked up on routine scanning, mm-hmm. one which is possibly an MRCP. But the question is, why have you done the MRCP then? Okay, Or it would be picked up at the time of routine uh, intraoperative cholangiograms if you're doing them on a very regular basis. Okay. Uh, my understanding is if these stones are not symptomatic and if they're small, they should be left alone. I mean, the situation I have come across this um, most commonly is uh, in, in the case of CT scans because we do so many CT scans now and most other like urology, general surgery, vascular, and I, get, I, I receive these referral letters uh, commenting from the radiological report that this patient has got Baldock stone, so I see the patient completely asymptomatic, never has had any liver function abnormalities, and uh, I have to agree with you, these patients uh, do not require any investigation, because in, in certainly the literature suggests that uh, any attempt at ERCP it carries too much risk for the benefits. Well, there is no benefit really. I, and, you know, I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the classical asymptomatic uh, presentation on CT scan. It's interesting you say that because CT scans are nearly as good mm. as an MRCP in picking up gallstones. And because we do a lot of CT scans for non-hepatobiliary problems, these tend to get picked up uh, quite regularly. And if there is no derangement in liver function tests, or any other symptoms related to the hepatobiliary system, I would definitely not interfere. The other one, just to briefly just discuss it before we move on to the main discussion, is primary versus secondary ductal stones. Secondary bile duct stones are stones that normally come down from the gallbladder into the common bile duct. These are usually made of cholesterol and uh, is common in the Western world. Uh, primary uh, Common bile duct stones are clearly primarily occur in the common bile duct, and these are usually seen in the uh, uh, Far Eastern countries. And they are mainly high in bilirubin, which indicates the hemolytic route of the stone formation. And these are very soft and friable. Uh, the, the reason it's interesting to discuss these is if you have primary bile duct stones, then just removing the bile duct stones either by endoscopy or surgery is or might not be adequate management. 
these patients, because they reform. Yes, they do. I think, and these patients usually need uh, a drainage procedure in the form of a hepaticojejunostomy. And the days of hepaticojejunostomies have now passed, and it, it, they need they need to be done uh, by the way of a hepaticojejunostomy. The, the the common uh, patient uh, is rare, but where I have seen it. It's been among the elderly who've had previous cholecystectomy, probably an ERCP, or pay, or also patients with um, heart valve. Heart valves, yes. Yes. I think you're right. And you'll normally find their uh, bile duct full of stones. Absolutely. You're even extending into the intra. It, it looks a, it looks like a very <laughs> impressive um, yes. cholangiogram yeah, or an MRCP. Yeah. Now, these people uh, should be considered if they're surgically fit for uh, uh, hepaticojejunostomy. If they're not, then of course we will need to consider endoscopic drainage and possibly a stent insertion and uh, long-term treatment with uh, uh, deoxycholic acid. So a typical patient that comes through uh, the emergency acute admission ward uh, would have had their liver function test uh, measured, uh, but for most of these patients we also initially will be requesting an ultrasound scan. Uh, what would be then your indications for perhaps uh, treating or, or investigating uh, the possibility of a baldoxstone based on history, ultrasound, and liver function test? In an, in an acute surgical uh, receiving unit, you will see common baldocks presenting to you, stones, sorry, presenting to you either as uh, just jaundice, where there is no signs of a systemic upset, or they can present with cholangitis, which could be a simple Charcot stride, or even worse, you can have Reynolds Pentat, but they've got systemic disturbance like shock and neurological confusion. Okay, these are when they present you with cholangitis. I think uh, uh, these people should be prioritised in uh, in diagnosing uh, their condition, either an urgent ultrasound followed by an MRCP, or uh, this is a typical scenario where we should get an urgent endoscopic uh, clearance of the bile duct as soon as possible. If the patients are not fit for uh, endoscopic intervention, then we might need to consider a radiological you know, a PTC uh, to decompress uh, the, the infection. The other acute presentation can be in the form of acute pancreatitis. Now, if the pancreatitis is quite severe, uh, we need to have a diagnosis of uh, CPD stones or sludge made on MRCP and they should probably get their ERCP in less than 72 hours. If the acute pancreatitis is not that severe, then these patients should be considered for an elective ERCP and spectrotomy. Uh, in both these scenarios, I will not be aiming to consider a laparoscopic intervention of the common malignant. So the, if the LFDs is abnormal, and the ultrasound scan is also showing clear indication of a uh, high chance of a, of, of a bile duct stone, such as a dilated bile duct and, say, multiple stones in the gallbladder, is it fair to say that this patient can just go and have an ERCP without an MRCP? I think MRCP is... Uh easily accessible in most centers now, uh, very little in the form of uh, uh, side effects. And if possible, I would get an MRCP. It clarifies the anatomy much more clearly than an ultrasound scan can.
So certainly the, 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 the guidelines suggest that if the liver function test is highly abnormal and the ultrasound scan clearly showing dilated bile duct uh, with stones in the gallbladder, then you might go ahead and get the ERCP because there's high probability of the ductal stone. But I have been in a situation where an MRCP then has failed to show the stone because the patient is now by the, that time has passed the stone. Which, which then basically means that the patient then didn't require the ERCP yes. with associated risks. Baribka, before we um, discuss the surgical options and compare it with the ERCP, um, there is often a situation where, for example, either a liver function test is abnormal or the ultrasound is abnormal, and that's a situation where I would certainly say an MRCP is very useful. I agree. There are, however, situations where patients come in, often in the clinic, not in acute scenario, with right upper pain, and all their investigations to that date have been kind of negative. Ultrasound is negative, shows no biliary dilatation, no gallstones, and also their liver function has never been abnormal. And one thing that to, to highlight is you really need to consider other possibilities. You, know, you shouldn't get caught out with, for example, a colonic pathology. Um, um, and certainly you might consider other causes. Uh, there is one scenario that you CT scan is definitely indicated, and that's when a patient comes in with uh, dilated CBD, uh, painless jaundice, uh, maybe elderly and with plus or minus weight loss, and these patients, you really need to rule out a pancreatic cancer. Absolutely, yeah. Either a pancreatic cancer or a distal CBD uh, cholangiocarcinoma, yes. Definitely. Uh, so, so ERCP versus lab duct exploration. It's, 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 it's an interesting discussion, isn't it? Yes. Uh, it completely depends on local expertise. Mm. I think that's what it comes down to. Uh, and the other... Uh, the factor that it depends upon is also the availability of ERCPs. So if, let's just assume for a minute that you happen to work in a centre that has excellent uh, provisions for ERCP, but also you have expertise in laparoscopic duct exploration, what, what, how would you choose your patients and what would be your your practice? If a person has got stones in the gallbladder and they've got stones in the bile duct, my current option is to consider a single stage uh, intervention in the form of a laparoscopic cholecystectomy and preferably transcystic clearance of the common bile duct. Okay. Okay. If, mm-hmm. if you cannot achieve this, then comes the discussion whether do you, you do a common bile duct exploration, which is through a cholecystectomy, or you consider an ERCP. Uh, if the common bile duct is big enough, which is at least more than a centimeter, I would still think a laparoscopic cholecystectomy and a cholecystectomy and a common bile duct clearance as a single stage procedure is uh, equal to either a single stage laparoscopic cholecystectomy and ERCP at the same time, or a two stage procedure of a pre or post operative ERCP uh, uh, with the cholecystectomy in between. So the evidence uh, clearly indicates that a laparoscopic duct exploration 
has the same morbidity and mortality as an ERCP, but it definitely shortens this hospital stay. Is that, yes, that your understanding? I, I think uh, cost-wise is uh, more beneficial and definitely a reduced hospital stay. Now, coming to morbidity and mortality, uh, the morbidity from uh, laparoscopic common bile duct exploration, if it's done transcystic, is very, very low. The morbidity that's out in the literature is for cholecotomy and common bile duct exploration, which sits at about 10% to 15%. This would equate with the morbidity for uh, ERCP and sphincterotomy duct clearance. But where I think surgery is slightly more superior to ERCP is the mortality and major complications. The mortality from an ERC, uh, interventional ERCP is about 1.5%, whereas the mortality from a uh, a laparoscopic common bile duct exploration is less than 1%. More importantly, 10% of patients with an ERCP who have a sphincterotomy have pancreatitis, 10 to 15%. And you know what pancreatitis does to a patient? It comes with its own major risks to, uh, to, to life. Uh, I, mean, I remember a time when we used to do a lot of duct explorations. And why is it that we're doing so few, do you think? Well, I'll tell you, uh, we're from a center uh, uh, where Prof. Kosheri, uh, in fact, ran a multi-center European trial, and uh, he is, I think he published it in Surgical Endoscopy with George Hanna and his European counterparts, suggesting that a single-stage laparoscopic cholecystectomy and bile clearance uh, was uh, superior with time of uh, uh, costs and hospital stay. And this was published in 1999. Okay. So we're now nearly 20 years from that, and we're still discussing the same issues. And answering your question directly, I think uh, a laparoscopic cholecystectomy with CBD exploration is a very highly skilled uh, procedure that needs everything to flow. The, the team needs to be ready from an anesthetic point of view, from a nursing point of view, and a lot of interactions come in to make this a safe and effective procedure. Uh, a lot of surgeons would probably prefer to do the easier option of doing a cholecystectomy and let the stones be handled by a very, very uh, a progressive and improved ERCP. That's, yeah, that's the key, isn't it? Because when you when you read the, uh, Prof. Kasheri's original paper, um, they were comparing uh, laparoscopic duct exploration uh, with, at the time, uh, quite a number of diagnostic ERCPs and yes. negative ERCPs. Yes. And Although Whereas now, you know, with the, with, with the MRCP being widely available and reserving ERCPs for intervention and also much better provisions of service for providing e ERCP, the gap has narrowed, although there's still perhaps in expert hands, would you say, lap duct is superior? I agree. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Coming to the ERCPs uh, that was discussed in Prof. Kucheri's paper 20 years ago, and now, yes, MRCP precedes ERCPs now, and you do not have a negative finding of, uh, uh, of, an, of an ERCP. However, there is still a 10% failed uh, uh, ability of an ERCP to clear the, the, the stones due to either poor access, duodenal diverticulum, or other complications, and about 25% of patients need a repeat ERCP. Okay? Now, these can be avoided in the hands of a skilled laparoscopic surgeon. And certainly with um, reduction in the number of 
duct explorations as surgeons do, there's diminishing expertise. And the only situation I have now uh, exploring ducts is when ERCP has failed. Yes. And, and by that time, there's always a reason for it, isn't it? There's, there's a difficult, that added difficulty, but perhaps laparoscopic. Coming back to the, this um, comparison of transcystic and transductal. Now, transcystic is when you basically open the cystic duct and you do your cholangiogram per routine, and then you carry on exploring and extracting the stone through the cystic duct. Now, you mentioned that this is clearly superior and preferred. Yes. Uh, so, f- first question is, is there any way you would know preoperatively whether something can be done transcystic or, or has to be done uh, transductal? Good. I think the anatomy of the cystic duct in relation to the co- common biology... Well, on MRCP, perhaps? Yes, yes. yes. Yeah, you will definitely need an MRCP. Or you will find out at the time of an intraoperative cholangiogram. Yes. Okay. If the cystic duct is uh, going straight into the common bile duct, then the chances of achieving a transcystic clearance is very high. As opposed to a spiral? Yes. Posterior spiral, they're the worst. Yes. Uh, In somebody with that anatomy, I would not even attempt a transcystic exploration. Uh, Transcystic exploration has got its limitations, but when it does work, it's excellent. It's literally like having a cholecystectomy for a patient. So one is the the, the, the kind of anatomical um, root uh, or the spiral root of the cystic duct. The other one is the size, isn't it, compared to the stone. Yes. So if you've got a very large stone yes. and a very narrow, although there are ways of dilating it and perhaps... Even even though, yes, a transcystic, of course, will probably entail dilating the cystic duct. Mm-hmm. However, I think if the stone... I look at it as uretric stones. Okay. If the stone is more than six millimeters in size, whether there's one or five, okay, I avoid the transistor group. And also the numbers. I mean, yes. it's multiple. Yes. Okay. But you know, you know, by the time it takes too long as well, yeah, doesn't yeah, it? I it takes forever. Each time you have to pick a stone transistor group, yes. you go in with your cholidocoscope, yes. pick up one stone, yes. and they come out. That's okay, right. So if there's multiple stones, or the small stones, but they are intrahepatic then again, a transistic root is uh, not indicated. Yeah. Although something like, what, 50-60% of stones can be extracted transistically, would you say? I agree. Yeah. And I think, again, improvement in technology, both from the cholidocoscope's point of view mm-hmm. and from uh, dilatational aspects of the cystic duct and the retrieval of things like your baskets have got so much better. Nowadays, we've got 3mm and 3.7mm cholidocoscopes that have got an instrument channel through which you can extract Whereas stones. the previous, the three millimeters didn't. Did not, yes. And also the image you get is pretty good. It's excellent. It's excellent. excellent. Through a three millimeter, yes. yes. Yeah. And I'm from the stage, days when I used to use the five millimeter cholidocoscope to go through the cystic duct. But you had to dilate it yes. and with great difficulty. Yeah. Yes. yes, but yes. I managed to clear cystic ducts in more than 50, uh, bile ducts in about 50% of patients with the five millimeter cholidocoscope, with the newer three and 3.7 millimeter scopes, I think the success rate will be as high as seventy percent. So the um, so now we know that cystic uh, approach is preferred. Uh, I think yes. definitely, isn't it? But um, the stone that is visible on your IOC is not doable transcystically. What are the options there? Then the options to consider is: uh, Will I uh, do a cholidocotomy? That's opening the bile duct. Opening the bile duct. Longitudinally. Just above the duodenum, yes, maybe a 
Yeah, supra duodenal ideal. Now, although you say longitudinally, I work on a slightly different principle. Mine is oblique. Okay. Okay. The reason is you're, you're probably standing to the uh, side of the patient, mm -hmm. and your bile duct is is running at an angle away from you. Mm -hmm. And if you open it longitudinally, mm -hmm. two things: one, uh, when you're suturing, it close becomes a bit more difficult. Second. A longitudinal cholecystectomy probably has got a slightly higher risk of fracturing. Mm -hmm. So I don't go transverse. Yeah. Because if Otherwise you go the blood vessels. Exactly. You'll yeah. cut the three and nine o'clock blood vessels. Yeah. To yeah. It. Then you go ischemia yes. and stricturing. Exactly. And you will need to do a big procedure like mm -hmm. the hepatic gastrostomy. Yeah. So I go in between. Yes. I go from about ten o'clock to four o'clock. For what? And the, the size that you open it is the size of the stone, okay. isn't it, roughly? See, the bile duct will expand. That's right. So it doesn't have to be as big as the stone. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I always keep my cholecystectomy mm -hmm. to less than a centimeter. And I also, as soon as I open the bile duct, I take a, a blunt uh, instrument and I massage the stone up yes. and it just pops yes. out. Yes. And you can just see it and just deliver it. Yes. You put two instruments behind it and it just, it just pops out. Yes. Very satisfying. Very satisfying, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And all you need to do after that is to do cholecystectomy uh, just to confirm, to confirm clearance up and down because you could have stones stuck in I the intrahepatic ducts. Then what are the options here? Primary closure, T-tube? Yes, now there's clearly no doubt that primary closure of the common bile duct is the preferred approach uh, both from my point and from the uh, evidence uh, based on... T-tube is pretty much outdated practice now, isn't it? I think so, yeah. I think so. I think T-tubes, like Prof. Kosheri said 20 years ago, detracts yes. from the uh, laparoscopic approach to the whole procedure. Plus, uh, you don't have the formal latex T-tubes nowadays that cause an intense reaction and a fibrotic scar. So the incidence of complications... Like bile leak. Exactly. When you remove it. Absolutely, is high. high. So yeah, yeah, I avoid T-tubes... Uh, if possible, but like you said earlier, there might be the small one or two indications for it. Like you've got a small, uh, a thin common bile duct with stones that have not been able to be extracted in any other way. So to prevent a stricture in such a patient, you might then put a T-tube in. And of course, the option also is a post-operative uh, ERCP. Yes. So um, let's not forget that. Uh, because so if you transistically you're unable to do it yes. it's completely okay just to perhaps leave it for a post-operative approach if I particularly in my in my view if the bile duct is small yes i i agree with you completely here now the big advantage of uh, a transistic approach is that the morbidity and mortality is very low mm -hmm. the moment you start talking about the cholecystectomy, then morbidity and mortality is similar to ERCP. So, if possible, in a situation like this, I would call my friendly neighborhood gastroenterologist or surgeon who's good at ERCPs and see if they can do the ERCP at the same time. But that's a okay. big sort of yes. uh, logistical okay. undertaking, isn't I, it? I agree. Most centers okay. are unable to provide that. I agree. And the safer option will be... Unless it is preoperatively planned. Yes. Of course. Okay. Uh, I think I agree. And the safe thing would be to completely call a cystectomy, leave it drain in, uh, and then get a post-operative ERCP. And my colleagues in gastroenterology have been able to do this for me on quite a few occasions, usually within the next 48 hours. So just to kind of recap, um, preferred option is transcystic. Yes. If you have um, a quite a large, thickened bile duct, uh, you could attempt 
transductal, and that's pretty good yeah, because absolutely. you've done it all, and it's all done and dusted, yes. and primary closure with a with a with a drain. Yes, as long as all this is done laparoscopically. Laparoscopically, yes. to my mind, really conversion to open to extractive stone should no. not be attempted should not because be. the the risk of that greatly outweighs the risk of post-operative ERCP. I completely agree. Um, and if the duct is very small, certainly like in the region of say six millimeters, five millimeters, then you might definitely not explore, not explore the bile duct and then, then really ERCP is far superior. Yes. We increasingly do uh, laparoscopic actually bypass uh, for obesity, ruin-wise. Um, and quite a number of these patients do present with ductal uh, stones. What are, what, what are the options there for these patients? Yes, just taking a step back, the incidence of gold stones with rapid weight loss is about 40% okay, in the first four to five months. So routinely, most uh, bariatric units now give their patients now ursodeoxycholic acid, which drops the incidence of gold stones postoperatively from about 40% to 5 to 6% which is great. So we should be seeing less of these patients, but we will still see them uh, every, uh, uh, ever so often. And if you've got common bile duct stones in a patient after a gastric bypass, then I think the best option will be a laparoscopic assisted uh, treatment of this, which could be either in the form of a laparoscopic cholecystectomy and transcystic exploration. If transcystic exploration is not possible, then the best option will be to uh, plan this well with your gastroenterologist and you do a laparoscopic assisted gastrostomy through which the uh, ERC paste can get to the ampullum.